the seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras, and now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the place where we help you calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience the joy of being alive. Today's episode, we're going to talk about some really amazing and fascinating topics, including Qigong, the importance of stretching, how to boost immunity, and how to really relax your nervous system. So if you'd like to explore some of these topics or more, in your car or even at your home, then make sure that you hit the subscribe button, especially if you are on your iPhone. If you're on Spotify, you can just hit follow because what that does is it does something to the algorithm and it allows our show to go in front of more years or eyes if you're watching a video stream, but it promotes our show and allows us to spread our message, right? So make sure that you hit subscribe or you hit follow if you are on Spotify. And if you'd like to join the official Facebook group of our podcast, the place where all the exclusive discussions happen, where we do a lot of breath work and a lot of fun stuff, then go to my7chakras.com forward slash tribe, T-R-I-B-E. That's my7chakras.com forward slash tribe. With that being said, let's bring on our special guest for today, Sarah Devine. So Sarah is a White Tiger Qigong senior instructor, and her quest for personal development, wellness, and longevity practices eventually led her to becoming a dedicated Qigong instructor and assistant to Master Tevia Feng, founder of White Tiger Qigong. And this even inspired her to complete a master's degree in sports and exercise science, researching Qigong and the development of interoceptive awareness, and her thesis is being prepared for publication. And she's also working on several courses and book projects at the moment. So this is a discussion that we're all going to enjoy because as all of our listeners know that I'm a breathwork instructor, but I have a fond, a soft corner for Qigong. And I always love to integrate all these beautiful healing practices in my life and those around me as well. So Sarah, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm very honored. Wonderful, wonderful. And one of the reasons why uh, I wanted to bring you on the show is that you not only talk about Qigong, not just Mm. from the ancient wisdom standpoint, but also you bring in a perspective of sports uh, medicine, uh, sports science, as well as the importance of exercise, which is really, really interesting when you sort of bring both of them together. So I can't Mm. wait to begin our discussion. Yeah, me too. And also that Qigong, as you mentioned at the very beginning, yeah. with the, the breathwork brings joy and happiness. So um, I can't emphasize that, that enough. That's, that's a wonderful outcome of the practice. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And so in all our discussions, we usually start from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And so maybe if you can tell us, uh, where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Well, in Australia, they call me a pommy, okay. <laughs> which means I grew up in England and um had a very peaceful childhood in the in the countryside and a little village in Kent, which is in the southeast. Maybe um, your listeners will know London. It's it's about an hour south of London. 
I grew up there and uh, had had a great opportunity to be roaming free in nature. You know, really just uh, at, at very much at peace with with the natural environment. I moved to London to study, um, and that was a whole different ballgame. I lived in London for eleven years. Crazy city. <laughs> and then I moved to Germany. Actually, I lived in Germany for five years. Mm. Finally, ended up in Australia, and I've been here for the last eighteen years. That's awesome. And yeah. so you've been to a lot of places: uh, London, Germany, and Australia. What was your childhood like? You know, what what sort of influence yeah. did your parents have on your upbringing, or maybe the first sort of seven to ten years of your life? What was it like? It was very simple. Very ordinary, quite work, working class in many ways. My parents didn't have much money, um, but they always emphasized that, uh, that their children's happiness was, was key and they would, you know, let us explore things in our own time, in our own way, which I'm extremely grateful for because having also worked in, in the English language field for many, many years and meeting a, a lot of Asian students in particular, I know that there's a lot of pressure uh, in those cultures, um, thinking typically of the Chinese students I've met, to constantly perform, constantly achieve. And it was more organic in, in my childhood. And I think that in part maybe because I, my sister died when I was very young. She was only three and I was six. And I think that really changed the perspective for my parents on, on, on how to engage their children in life. And how to encourage them to just be, you know, be happy, be, do what mm -hmm. they enjoy doing. So I explored many, many, many things at that time. I was into music. I was into theatre. I used to do amateur dramatics with my parents. Uh, I, they were not into uh, any kind of spiritual or personal development per se, but mm -hmm. they had nuggets of wisdom which they threw my way quite regularly, and I'm grateful for that. Wonderful. I think parents yeah. play a very important role, right? Maybe not yeah, specifically absolutely. or telling you what to do, but just creating a container for your growth, but also emphasizing the importance of being happy no mm. matter what you do. And I think that can be such a can play such a big role in the unfolding of a child to an adolescent to an adult later on. Um, mm. But before Qigong, like we all know we're going to talk about Qigong today, but what was happening before Qigong? Before Qigong, I dabbled initially in, in yoga and um, I didn't know very much about it, but I, I went to one or two classes. I, I can't say I really got into the whole system of yoga, but I, I got into an, a, an understanding of the connection of body, breath and spirit. Then I was introduced to Zen Buddhism by my then, then boyfriend and off we went every every week to this dojo in um Camden Park I think it was in London and we'd sit on our mats and and we count our breath and then we do walking meditation and it was fascinating for me it just opened up a whole other world um of becoming aware of this constant spinning these constant thoughts this constant pressure inside me and mm. and that led then progressively to me connecting with Vipassana and and uh doing these these 10 day silent retreats which are which are like <clears throat> they call them it's like an operation on on your you know your entire 
system, your mental and mm. physical body and your emotional body. And, and that really, really formed a really strong foundation for me to then finally um, become cognizant of, of Qigong and start, I, I actually read about Qigong and knew about Qigong a lot longer ago than when I started practicing it. But it, about 11 right. years ago, I was like, oh, okay, now's the time. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so you were doing uh, these different types of practices, yoga, some Zen meditation. You also mm -hmm. did a Vipassana 10-day you know, session. And I've not done Vipassana, but for listeners out there, it's mm -hmm. basically just silence, right? It's uh, an exploration <laughs> into, into silence. And I was talking to my friend the other day, is that we're so connected to our mobile phones or even social media these mm -hmm. days that... Sometimes we can't fathom not being with our devices for even a day or two, but being for 10 days in silence, <laughs> away from technology, what did that do for you? <laughs> it's a great question because initially it freaked, freaked me out. I'm like, whoa. Mm. <laughs> um, it's not that I love the sound of my own voice, but I guess I realized I probably do to an extent, you know, because it gives you validity to speak, you know, it gives you me meaning in the world in the people that you interact with it's um uh so to silence that was was very profound i i guess initially um after that initial shock i i grew to like it mm -hmm. as everything slowed down as i had no obligations uh, mm -hmm. but the practice i was doing we were meditating for 11 and a half hours a day whoa everything Everything became a meditation. Eating a small plate of salad took an hour, you know. Mm. You just, mm. everything, you just entered a whole other realm of perception. I can remember looking at hoverflies and seeing into this hoverfly and seeing its spirit and its energy. And um, so by the time the, the 10 days was up, and I have done these a few times now, each time I've, I have actually not wanted to speak. It's mm. almost like you had to be coaxed back into it. I'm like, oh, actually, I could stay here a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the net effect of that is, is that, first of all, that you become aware of your own chatter, how, how deeply it goes, how ingrained it is, mm -hmm. but also then how you can learn to become a witness and bear witness to it and, and not, become a, not remain attached to these processes. And you do this just through simple observation. You just observe day in, day out, the the activity that's going on inside you. You bear witness without judgment. Mm -hmm. So I think it just helped me to to uh, be a kinder human, a more compassionate person, and a, a more patient person. Wow, that's very interesting. Because sometimes we have the chatter, but then we try to drown the chatter in something else. The chatter is always there, yeah. but I'm sure that when you are now focusing fully on the chatter, it's <laughs> a different experience altogether. So then, okay, so you had this experience, and then what sort of deep within you, I guess at a soul level, you were craving for something more or craving for something different that sort of led you to towards Taoist uh, Qigong? Yes. So what was yes. that? That's so true. I, I always felt it, no matter where I, I was in the world, I, I felt a compelled to to travel physically and to, mm -hmm. to live in different places and and b to uh not settle for life as 
um, I saw many many of my friends doing, which is perfectly fine. Convention, there's nothing wrong with it, but it wasn't in me. It, it, I, there was some some other desire. So by the time I left Germany and and, and went travelling, I, I was I just felt called. I, I had to go. I had to go, and I had to start in Australia. And um, within a very short space of time, I entered a very deep realm of. Um, healing and transformation through um firstly through through qigong but also i was introduced to a practice at that time called body electronics which is a science of bodily regeneration it works with extended acupressure and um uh nutrient saturation and and also the the holding of um polarity in the in the body and, and understanding that that everything that i guess the yin and the yang of of your experiences that um to 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 work through traumas in the body so these things will, will help me to to progress mm -hmm. interesting so what is the name called again it's uh, body electronics it's oh. um it's the science of bodily regeneration it was founded by um professor uh, Dr. John Whitman Ray, who is sadly no longer with us, but and and also it's a quite a little known uh, modality, and uh, I don't think there are many people practicing at the moment because it's actually quite it's quite intense. You have to uh, okay. hold hold points on people or be held at very specific points on the body, and um, mm. can go on for quite long periods of time to to actually start to release um, emotional trauma from your system. Mm. So interesting. So what was happening in your life at that point in time in Australia? And talk to us about how you actually came across this form of Qigong. I had the great fortune one day to meet Jai, who's my partner. We we met at a vegan picnic, actually. He sat down next to me and we started chatting. Mm -hmm. And we discovered very quickly that we both were really interested in the works of um, Master Mantak Chia, okay. who is a very well-known Taoist medical Qigong master. Mm -hmm. He has a center in Thailand, okay. although his, his roots are, are Chinese. And we started chatting about these these books and these practices, and and I talked a little bit about you know, some of the work I'd done there. And he eventually said, "Well, why don't we do some qigong together?" Um, he'd been practicing qigong for quite some time. He was also very accomplished yogi. So um, I started learning from him, and mm. I saw the potential in these practices to not only help me become, you know. Uh, um, healthier and, and, and for personal and spiritual development. But I felt compelled to, to actually learn to teach it. So once I had the money, once I had the opportunity, that's mm -hmm. when I put on my backpack and went to Thailand. And at first, initially, before I met Master Tevia, I studied with Master Mantak Chia. Oh, awesome. So a couple of questions about mine now. I want to go for a vegan picnic. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things I want to do. Um, and secondly, uh, so I've heard about Mantak Chia and I've read um, one of his books as well. And I know that he has this mm. center in Thailand. And what I've been wanting to do, I guess one of my things on my bucket list is to attend one of his darkness retreats. Oh, yes. It's just to be in darkness for three yeah. days or seven days or whatever it is, yeah. but just 
I've heard people having really profound spiritual experiences as a result of being away from sunlight for a given period of time. It's, it's just these um, intermittent, uh, you know, intermittent breaks that we give ourselves in so many different areas, whether it's intermittent hypoxia, intermittent mm -hmm. fasting, intermittent sunlight, intermittent meditation. Yeah. It seems to do wonders for our body, right? But that's, Absolutely. I do want to do that sometimes. <laughs> well, you're, because you're reducing your, your um, need for sense gratification. And so, you, you know, the outward emission of chi is, is no longer there everything has to turn inwards and then also while you're in the dark room retreat you will do these very profound practices like the the khan and lee practices the fire and water practices you you learn how to uh, steam your energy your chi and bring it up to the brain and and, and really um open up the pineal and the pituitary pituitary glands um and um I guess what's happening there then is you're getting these more sensitive signals and uh, electro the piezoelectric effect in the pineal gland and you're able to tune into uh, magnitudes of, of experience that are not commonly uh, perceived in our everyday waking states. Yeah, it sort of makes sense because uh, I think either we've forgotten or in mm. our normal state is that we're able to you know, notice only a very small spectrum of light, right? But there's so much yeah. other information that's bouncing around us. And so yes. I think these practices in a way allows us to start remembering and, and being able to notice um, these or have these extra sensitivities or these abilities. Mm. Um, so the exercise that you mentioned, was it steaming the what? Sorry? Oh, it's quite... It's in this in the Universal Healing Dao system. It's called the Khan and Lee, and there's a lesser Khan and Lee and a greater Khan and Lee, and greatest Khan and Lee. And and I haven't trained with Master okay. Chia in those specifically, but I do a similar practice with Master Tevia that that has a different name. But okay. um, yeah, the the principle is the same that we we're, we're working with the um, the the Yin of the of the lower Dantian um, this potent PowerPoint of, of energy below the navel and the the yang chi of the upper dantian okay. and we're through our breath we're, we're learning to um we call it steaming because we're we're actually um mm. pumping fire in the body and the yeah. water is heating and then we're we're bringing the energy up into the brain and uh it's then having these profound effects in um, as I said, main, mainly those those glands, um, releasing the um, neurotransmitters like like the dopamine and um, the pinaline, which have anti-aging properties, you know, anti-cancerous properties. And then we also finally we we learn to bring the energy back down and we store it safely in in the lower dantian. Got it. And how similar is that to the microcosmic orbit then, which Mantakchia speaks about, where you're oh. taking it up and bringing it down, taking it up, bringing it. Is that something yeah. similar or is that different? That's that's different um, because you're using a different channel. So so in the Khan and Lee practice, you're using the thrusting channel, which is right through the the, the center of the, the body. It's a, it's a very um, yin channel, whereas the microcosmic orbit orbit works through the governor and conception vessels and the governor vessel or the or the functional as it's also known 
is um, a yang vessel um, that we would typically perceive running up the back of the spine into mm-hmm. the head. And then the uh, the um, conception vessel is the the yin vessel it's coming down the front of the body. Mm. Interesting. Uh, so, so you come across Qigong and then you study with Mantak Chia for a while. And so at that point, what do you like most about Qigong? Maybe for somebody who's new to Qigong, um, maybe at, at that point also, or maybe in general, like what do you like most about Qigong? <laughs> I liked at that point that it was teaching me to sense inwardly in a way that felt even more more profound than the Vipassana meditation because we were working uh, with different ways of, of, of breathing. So the breathing, the, 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 the way the body was um, either in posture or in movement is intrinsically connected to, to how you breathe. Mm-hmm. And that in turn is also intrinsically connected to your spirit or how your, your mind, um, your your E, your intention spirit, is directing everything in the body. So I thought this was marvelous, and I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't understand half of it. I just mm-hmm. sat there. I was there for four weeks. You know, I was doing my basic okay. instructor training, and I thought, well, I'm going to absorb what I need to know at this time, and that's going to to be where I start, and that's going to work with me to to uh, have some very profound effects. Um, like uh, many, many listeners may know the term healing crisis. I always like to think of it as healing transformation because Mm. something is triggered in the body that you have to then go, or you have a choice to to follow it through to actually then to heal from it. So I had quite a few experiences like that of of emotional um, traumas that had been locked inside me. Mm -hmm. Right. That's so interesting. Uh, when you do these different practices, whether it's uh, yogic breathwork or qigong, mm. you have a way of, at a molecular level, allowing for the stuck or stagnant energy to get unlocked, right? And that leads to Correct. the releasing of trauma. And that's yeah. it can lead to you feeling like it's getting worse, but you're sort of decluttering the home, right? In, in a way. It's, that's a lovely way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so you're not only giving yourself the opportunity to declutter, but then you're giving yourself the tools to uh, maintain an orderly household. And it doesn't mean that we don't all experience emotion. I mean, it, it's so intrinsic to the human experience, right? We can't mm. just, if we, if we say we don't experience it, we're probably suppressing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, however, it may lessen your, interpretation of the emotion so whereas before maybe you might feel anger and you might feel a sensation rising in the body then you might attribute to that feeling this is anger i am going to feel angry about something he shouldn't have done that you can say okay well well i'm experiencing this feeling then you can go into releasing your 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 acquired mind so what is it that i am that's triggering this anger. Why should I be feeling this anger? Is it, it's not all about me. Like life is actually not all about me. So it's when, when you can get out of that ego perspective, then you can start to say, well, 
is it actually serving me to feel this anger? And there may be a time where anger has a, you know, really serves to, to propel something forward, that's fine. But quite often it's it's a redundant feeling. It just leaves us feeling worse off and scatters our energy. So mm. in, in, in the practices that we learn with Qigong, we can take that anger, we can say, I hear you, I see you, but I'm going to, I'm going to go one up on you, mm. anger. I'm actually going to to bring in a feeling of stronger, power, more mm. powerful virtue that can help to alchemize, to transform you. I'm going to bring in a feeling of forgiveness. And I bring in that forgiveness and then I see what happens. And as you get better at it, it's so powerful. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, that's so interesting to say because uh, I remember a few years back I was interviewing one other Qigong master and he said, uh, Qi is equal to MC square. <laughs> <Right? laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, once you realize how energy works, you find out that all your emotions are nothing but energy and anger is a form of energy. It's a strong energy. Right? It can be very destructive. Mm. But then you can also use this really destructive energy, you know, Pull yourself away from it, make it very objective, look at the anger, but then also transmute the anger into something that's more creative and that can yeah. have the ability to transform the world. So mm -hmm. that's a really interesting perspective to bring. And speaking about health, how does Qigong sort of define health? It uh, defines it on a number of levels. So we, we can see from a purely physical perspective in I mean, there are many, let me say, many thousands of types of Qigong. And so when I actually, if I can go back to the Tao Garden for a moment, when I saw Master Tevye mm -hmm. and I saw him walking and moving, I think he was just on his way to breakfast or something. I thought, yeah. who is that guy? I want some of what he's got. You know, it was just so um, obvious and profound in his body. And, and I, so I made some inquiries and I learned that he was um, Master of the White Tiger Qigong School. And through my um then my investigations about these types of practices so that he this is a it's a very um external form of qigong as well as internal practice so he, he there's a lot of movement of the body and this movement of the body in conjunction with the internal alchemy practices can first of all on a physical level release stuck uh energy so we're, we're working with the meridians in the body we're, we're opening up these pathways which will have a connection to the organ systems in the body and um so we have a freer flow of energy we learn to then cultivate this energy so that it doesn't go to waste so we we can circulate it in um, in different manners. Some of those I've already explained, we can utilize the energy in the microcosmic orbit, for example, or um, do it doing that other practice I told you about. We then can, can through the movement, we, we get these deep compressions into our organs 
Mm. compression is so we're squeezing the organs and, and we're squeezing them like a sponge so we're getting fresh oxygen fresh chi fresh blood we're releasing stuck uh, energy toxins and um our organs learn to hang more effectively in in the body a lot of people you know these days are kind of compressed over everything's yeah. a bit stuck so we get these wonderful openings we work with the fascia very much with the fascial body and and the fascia that surrounds houses the muscle and is also within the muscle itself holding this the cells and the, um, the muscles um, bundles together uh, the different movements that we do in qigong actually ring out like a towel mm -hmm. in this in this white tiger qigong and the fascia so that you get this influx again of, 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 of fluids into the fascial bed you get um uh, uh it is it's quite responsive uh, elasticity an elastic response so if you look at my skin i mean i'm 54 and it's still you know yeah it's <laughs> yeah. doing that that's that's what we want to see so oh okay um so th this is a, a a way to to uh to keep the the body healthy on the physical level in conjunction with your your breathing we learn that breath guides movement so you learn how to to move more more effectively mm. you and i know you know this right from from breath work you learn to regulate your autonomic nervous system so mm. you learn to tap into that parasympathetic state more yeah. effectively or to, to balance between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic so you're toning your vagus nerve which is you know super important part of that and, and then finally on the on this the uh spiritual level you're cultivating your shin your shin is is your refined chi and this is your wisdom body if you like your your wisdom mind your in taoist practices they call it the the upright heart rather than the mm -hmm. human heart the human heart is the reactive one the upright heart is you know responding to the connection to the forces of nature, which is intrinsic to the Taoist medical Qigong practices. Yeah, so super. So I love your explanation. And what you're saying is that when you do Qigong, you're not just uh, working on your body, you're not just working on your organs, you're not just working on your mind. It's like you're working on so many different things. And when you go mm -hmm. to the gym, obviously you're working out your muscles and they are squeezed and they, you put a pressure on them yeah. and allows them to grow. But what you're implying or what you're suggesting is that your organs also need to be squeezed and wrung out or held in a certain way that yeah. allows them to really nourish or maybe secrete certain hormones or certain chemicals that are needed for the functioning of our body. That's and right. so that's really, really profound is, and also the fact that you know, we have these different levels of energy. So you have yeah. the Jing, right? So you have the Jing and then you have the Qi and you have the Shin, but you're also in the process of refining that energy, allowing mm. it to go on top and, 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 and regulating your function at every level. So the physical, the emotional, Correct. the mental and the spiritual. So, and we call that the three harmonies when these things come together, when the body, the breath and the spirit come together and we learn the, the, through this, harmonization the deepest levels of relaxation in the body we first we know we relax just the outer part of the body then we can relax so the posture then the muscles 
then the meridians and then finally we can even relax into into our organs and into our bones mm. we can refine everything to a single point of, of focus as we're doing this this brings healing and transformation this then actually takes you into the realm of of transforming um your perception of self how uh you can maximize your 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 energy to you know um the the, the just the best way the best you you can possibly be the best version of yourself action tribe are you finding it hard to de-stress and unwind in the midst of this crazy pandemic come join us for a soothing relaxing breathwork session online on zoom now i do these sessions for our paid members twice a week and i've received so many powerful testimonials from people who have received a lot of support comfort and healing from these sessions and to show you just how powerful these yogic breathwork practices are every month i do a breathwork intro workshop for people who would like to give this a shot in the past people have paid anywhere between 10 to 20 dollars for a drop in but for a short while i've decided to make these sessions available for just 50 cents a ticket and these sessions are live but you just pay 50 cents so if you'd like to learn how to calm your mind relax your nervous system and experience deep states of bliss using your breath from the comfort of your home visit my7chakras.com/breathworkintro that's my7 is a word my7chakras.com/breathworkintro i'll see you soon Yeah, that's so true. I mean, from the <laughs> yogic standpoint, I mean, yoga is also pretty interesting, but what it says sure. is goal setting is good, right? But a lot mm. of times we set goals without doing the inner work, and we set these goals that to us are our goals, but then we achieve those goals only to find out that the ladder was pointing on the other wall and what we really wanted at the soul level was that. Mm. And so part of what we're doing is in a way erasing those subconscious imprints those programmings that way of thinking that we used to because of some interaction that we might have had or some negative experience from year 1 to 7 and that becomes our goal but that's not necessarily our goal because that's sometimes based on our ego or what we feel others would you know would want not what we truly yeah. truly want and what you're sort of suggesting is when you do the work you'll have goals but then you really be able to make an impact at your soul level something that you know makes your soul joyful because that is in alignment with your true calling the reason why you're here on this earth perfectly expressed yeah and i'm so grateful to have found that through finding this this chigong absolutely mm. uh awesome so could you talk to us a bit about the uh, origins of white tiger chigong yes so it's a, a practice a chigong that tevia founded based on uh, two two elements so the first is um the taoist medical chigong now there are different forms of chigong there's been martial chigong buddhist chigong mm-hmm. and um uh modern medical chigong and the taoist medical chigong is has its roots in ancient lao tzu taoism so people may have heard of the the dao de qing the book of 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 uh, the dao the integrity of the dao and mm-hmm. the 
also the the I Ching, the, mm -hmm. the Book of Changes, and then classical Chinese medicine, which is, if you will, it's like the forerunner of, of traditional Chinese medicine. Oh. So all of these things come together and to, to form Taoist medical Qigong. And their fundamental principle that, that upholds this Qigong is, is, is that you're connected to nature and you look to the patterns within nature, you look to um, the as within, so, so without you. I mean, this is really present in, in many uh, Eastern traditions I, I know of as well, that uh, you understand the, the union of opposites, that the, you know, the yin and the yang of uh, experience internally and externally, Right. That you um, understand the, the rotations and the spiraling in the universe is, is echoed in, inside how our body's very body functions. Like our, our spine is like the sun, you know, and mm. our shoulders are the moon. And there's, there's a deep, deep echoing of, of these systems with, within the human body so that that's very fundamental to the qigong in actual fact one of the the key practices that i've learned is, is five animal qigong and this was created over two thousand years ago yeah. by hua Tua. and he mm. he looked into nature and he saw animals moving like the monkeys he was like oh okay so how does the monkey get this this bendy swaying element to right. pick the fruit and um and what's the benefit of that and, and which organ is associated with it? So he developed this beautiful system. Mm -hmm. Right. That's so interesting. And so my question is, when somebody does Qigong or if I'm doing Qigong right now, and especially through practice, I would find out that it's healing in nature, right? It's healing me. It's, yeah. it's you know, curing me or allowing me to reduce stress. And stress is the biggest cause for illness. Sure. So if I'm addressing the stress, then I'm you know, taking away a large chunk of my issues. Yeah. So I understand that Qigong is inherently healing in nature. So when you say medical Qigong, what extra are you doing there? How is it different from, you know, traditional Qigong? Okay. So um, this medical aspect means that we, we, fun we focus in on particular organs as so uh, one movement may be working on for example the liver so mm. um we spoke about monkey before so we'll stick with the the monkey movement or the leopard in five element qigong it yeah. works with with specifically targeting the squeezing of the liver and the the expansion squeeze and expand there's this rhythmic pulsing movement mm -hmm that uh, really exercises your internal organ. And with that, the, the movement also um, stimulates the, the meridian, so the, the pathway of energy that is associated with that organ. Yeah. And then finally, the meditations that we practice dwell upon the, the associated emotional components that, that are typically um, associated with with that organ so in the case of the liver it's 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 anger yeah. and releasing with forgiveness or playfulness even that the monkey is so playful yeah that's something i've observed as well if you look at modern men or women um mm. there's a tendency to consider animals not as intelligent as human beings 
Right? Mm-hmm. So there's sort of like a hierarchy of sorts. And for some reason, they've placed humans at the top of it. Like the humans are the most intelligent. But if you look mm-hmm. at the ancient elders, the yogis or the Taoists or even the shamans, they looked at these animals and they sort of drew a sense of wisdom. It's like, how can I learn from that animal or this animal? Mm-hmm. And so in the five elements, you've got the dragon, you've got the tiger, you've got the leopard, you've got the snake, you've got the crane. Yes. Right? It's just a bird, but it's a crane. And then you're oh, not yeah. only learning from it, but then you're also emulating the, you know, the unique characteristics or the movements of those animals and obviously yeah. gaining a lot of benefit from it. So... Mm-hmm. Isn't that isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's 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 one of my favourite aspects. So we we then we, we tap into the the spirit of the animal itself and right. um, the associated uh, element, for example, with with dragon. You mentioned there. So you've got the element of water. So um, we will then perform the movement with this strength of the, of, of the dragon but the fluidity of, of water as well you think about you, know, you see these mythical dragons flying and and even though you might immediately think oh a dragon fire well actually they they flow they yep. flow like water and um I, I can give you an example actually when i was running my um my uh experiment experiment last year for my qigong study for my master's thesis I was teaching, one of the forms I taught was the tiger eats its prey. Yeah. And it's a very strong, relatively yang okay. movement. And there's a component where you press down and you, you give 100% attention and you, you hiss and then okay. you, and you chew and then you stick your tongue out. And you know, all of these things have a meaning and a reason to them. But my students, when they were first introduced to it, were like, oh, you know, I'm a bit self-conscious, but yeah. As they as they progress, they said, "Well, actually, Sarah, now I I get it. I understand that it's not just about, um, you know, the physical benefits. I'm fe- I'm actually feeling that fierceness. I'm actually feeling that that strength. I'm actually feeling that element of metal quality. I'm actually feeling pr- more precise from doing this practice, and yeah. and all of those things they were able to 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 get from this repetition of, of the tiger. Right. I see a lot of benefits, not only in terms of the physicality of it, because you're yes. in these actions, you are having an influence on your physiology, but also mm-hmm. at a psycho psychological level, just because you are drawing in that alter ego of the tiger, it's going to yeah. really help you in situations yeah. when you have to be that tiger or where you yeah. have to be that leopard or that snake or, you know, whatever that might be. Something that comes to my mind is, uh, so I do these breathwork workshops and during the in-person session the other day, because I do a little bit of ecstatic dance as well and shaking. And right. somebody told me, I don't know about that. You know, I don't, I don't consider myself a dancer and uh, I'm not sure about the shaking. Uh, and I totally get it because I myself for the longest time, and I still don't consider myself a dancer. But if you look at the animal kingdom, when a dog is in stress, what the dog does is shakes, right? They shake and release all the stress. But for some reason, as humans, we want to look cool and we want to look good. And we don't want to look, you know, stupid or funny in front of our peers, which is crazy. But as soon as people sort of push a little bit beyond their comfort zones, they realize the tangible difference that they feel before and after. And these things work. So... Mm, they certainly do. 
And interestingly enough, the first thing that we do when we're moving to warm up yeah. is shaking it out. So yeah. for that very reason, um, it's a profound practice. I mean, if you've got no more time to practice other than 10 minutes, I would just shake for 10 minutes. Do, then, you know, do a bit of standing meditation. And that's, that's very, has a very deep effect on, on the body. Yeah, I noticed uh, in one of your videos, you were, you were doing the shaking. Yeah. What does Shigong say about shaking? I mean, anything else that it says in terms of benefits of shaking or of doing this? So the, we, we say from a warming up perspective, you're, you're loosening up the muscles and joints. Um, yeah. You're um, warming up the, the tissues of the body, the, the muscles, the, the fascia. Um, yeah. But you're also, um, as you bounce with the heel, you're you're bringing chi up from the earth into the um, the yang chuan point on the base of the foot. So that's the, the kidney one point. So okay. you're, you're you're getting a you know jolt of of connection to to earth chi through the body, and then you're kind of moving it then up through the body. And um, if you have stale or stagnant chi, you're, you're also starting to release it through this this practice wow that's so interesting mm. so i didn't i didn't know that that that's a point for the kidneys so there's some yeah. connection happening there for sure yeah awesome so you're very interested in the sports science of it right sports science mm. and exercise so how does sports science and qigong blend what's what's the connection over there well i i became interested in this because um and i you know just Finishing on our earlier conversation, what is white tiger qigong? It's not just the Taoist medical qigong. It, this was mm -hmm. Tevye's uh, approach to to investigate qigong from a sports science perspective. So, looking at how the body moves biomechanically, um, what what's happening from an exercise physiology perspective? What are the the kinesiology? Kine that's a hard one to say. Kinesiological, you know, sensations yeah. that you're having. <laughs> That shouldn't be yeah. a word. <laughs> um, and um, then um, how it can how qigong can be used for maximizing your gains in other exercises in in sport or even in let's face it in non exercise modalities too. So um, all of that when I met him fascinated me. We were learning about bones and joints and how, you know, how do you tell the difference between whether it's just a range of motion issue or whether there's actually, you know, bone on bone. The bone can't go any further. That's why not mm. all of us are going to be able to do a deep stance in snake. It's just your hip won't necessarily physically allow it. And I thought, well, that's a really, you know, I'm curious about just finding out a little bit more about, about that. And then what Tevia... Mm did that no one else has done so far is he brought in an expert called Joseph Schwartz who works his um he's based in, in Colorado I think his business is dynamic neuromuscular assessment and he developed this way of looking at move the initiation of movement and the, the development and follow through of the movement called the principal actions of the five primary kinetic chains so we looked, so Tevia and he developed this into a system of a teaching technique. So while we're moving, we're learning about how breath guides movement and how important that is. 
We learn about shock absorption and rebound. So how are we meeting the earth force and how is that force coming up into our body? We okay. learn about axial stability and, and how having the central axis of the spine is and, and how moving it and holding it properly is in, important for the transmission of energy. And then we learn about how coiling movements and uncoiling movements realize, uh, realize um, or generate and realize kinetic energy in the body. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And that is, so that fascinated me. And I thought, wow, if I'm going to take that one step further, I want to learn more. I want to learn more about anatomy. I want to learn more about physiology. I want to learn about, um, so when I understand what's going on with breathing more, what's actually happening in my pulmonary system, how is that affecting the heart? Um, how do we, what's the connection to the sacrum and the, the cranium? We've actually got this pumping motion when we breathe properly that brings yeah. cerebrospinal fluid up into yeah. our brain mm. and i want people to know about that and, and i think a, a lot in in my environment anyway in this community here this culture people want scientific explanations for things and mm. while i'm not suggesting for a moment we should say you know take away all the mystery then there is yeah. still a bit of mystery mm. there's generally a way or, or science is looking for these ways to explain things. Yeah. Well, science, when you bring the science in and when you show the evidence and the research, it makes it way more interesting, right? You sort of mm -hmm. know the why behind what you're doing and, and how it's benefiting you. And yeah. when you sort of quantify and add some empirical numbers, it, it makes it really interesting for the modern mind. So I see why people do that. Yeah. I was listening to or watching a, a video by Ben Greenfield. I'm not sure if you know about him, but I know the he, name. What was the video? Um, he was talking about longevity and some oh. of the levers that you can pull from a biohacking standpoint that yeah. can really optimize your health. And he did speak about the coiling. So that's how I remember. Oh. And I know a lot about there's a lot of discussion about movement right now, right? Uh, and and mm. how it's connected to longevity and just living, mm. leading a better, more fulfilled life. Um, mm. So why should someone listening to this episode pay more attention to sports science and exercise? I mean, is it only for elite athletes? Or no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, my journey with my own body has been interesting because I, I, I actually did, when I was in my, um, oh, when I was 30, I ran a marathon and um, I, but I didn't, I didn't have the feeling I really knew what was going on at a mus neuromuscular level. I mean, just, just do it. And, um, I, I knew it was in theory, it was good for me. Yeah. Um, I actually slipped a disc <laughs> during training. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> Which then, you know, that was something that helped me to sort of rewire the way I was thinking about, about my body. And it, it was, it's been a long process, but I thought, well, I need to feel it from the inside out. I need to really understand what's going on, not just, not just from an experiential level, but also just, you know, to, from a me mechanical level, yeah. from a systemic level to be able to then help other people to know why they should be moving and whether it's Qigong, whether it's yoga, whether it's, um, going for a walk every day it's to to say on a basic fundamental level you know you're going to live longer 
Yeah. If you <laughs> if you learn to to uh, breathe better, if you increase your your VO two max, your your ability to absorb oxygen in your system, you're going to live better. If you your fascia is less sticky, um, yeah. your organs hang more effectively in your body. Um, you're going to heal more quickly if you are emotionally more responsive um, to, or rather you're, you're more responsive to your emotional body in a way that's productive rather than harmful. Um, mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's very important too. Mm -hmm. So, and that's also part of, of sports science because we look at sports psychology and exercise psychology and it makes you feel good, right? So moving makes you feel good. It does. And one important key though, and I think this is very important to stress this difference between Qigong and exercise is that you can fatigue from exercise. You shouldn't fatigue from Qigong. Mm. You, you may while you're in the throes of learning, but you, you actually develop a profound relaxation response. You should be able to find what I call dynamic relaxation. So this, you can settle into a posture, settle into a movement, tap into the deepest relaxation response so that you can keep going for you know, longer. You, you've got more, more stamina. And then when you don't, in those days when you just don't, you can do a softer practice. So you learn to modify your, your practice according to um, your environment externally and internally. Mm. Interesting. I mean, it mm. seems like when you learn these practices and these techniques, you sort of take control of your physiology, right? You're taking control sure. of your nervous system so that when you mm. notice that you're stressed out, are chronically stressed you can you know switch off that negative stress response and switch on mm. the rest and digest and when you're feeling tired you intuitively are connecting with yourself and then you know adjusting the exercise right so it's all about listening to your body but also you're having so right. tools so that you're you're not overstressing yourself so that is really interesting and um one of the words you used i mean speaking about long words today <laughs> words that shouldn't exist uh, but something you talk about is proprioception. Is that what it is? Proprioception. Yeah. What exactly yes. is that? So we have um, thousands and thousands of, of little receptors, uh, these neuroreceptors in the body. And okay. the proprioceptors help us to understand or sense how our body is, is moving and our position of our limbs in, in space. We, we have them uh, inside the, as well as um, sort of closer to the external part of the body. And we, so, so that's one aspect of, of, for example, learning to balance more efficiently is, is we become more responsive proprioceptively to what's going on in the foot. And um, we learn to be more aware of how the rest of our body is moving relative to another body part because we when we um are regularly practicing qigong we have more awareness and sensitivity to what we call the kinetic chains and the kinetic chains are just how how your different um joints are connected by muscle and connective tissue and fascia and how energy transmits and transfers between the joints 
to enable you to move effectively. So proprioception is happening at that level to, to help you understand the these connections, these kinetic chain connections. Mm -hmm. And then I'm I'm even more interested in that other big word, interoception. Okay. So um, well, we, we you um, I think you mentioned before interoceptive awareness. So the interoceptors are what guides us to be cognizant of our internal processes. Okay. So on a very basic level, you know, if you need to pee, your your body's going to tell you. Your you, your bladder is going to start sending signals. Um, if you're hungry, your belly's going to to rumble. You're going to be aware of that. Uh, but it can go much, much deeper. And as you progress with Qigong, you can become aware of your entire fascial body. Uh, and it feels like a suit of armor wrapping around your muscles. You can become aware of the actual rivers of energy flowing through the body. Mm -hmm. And you can also become more aware of the origins of emotion. And so, mm -hmm you may experience them generating from particular organs quite mm -hmm. typically, but sometimes people are surprised and say, well, actually I, I felt this organ, this emotion starting in my foot. I mean, that sounds strange, but why not? You know, everyone's different. So right. through developing our interoceptive awareness, we are ma matching this awareness with an understanding of our perception of things and that perception is created by our environment our upbringing um you know you may live on a planet where anger is experienced as something exciting you're going to have a far far different response to it than oh anger should make me feel ooh, like this um annoying right. so then you can say okay well i can i can retrain myself i can become aware of these internal processes and I can actually tweak my response to what's going on. And I can do that through breath. I can do that through uh, thought and intention. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, the fact that your culture, the way you live, or the norms of the place that you're surrounded, you're surrounded with can determine the perception that you have about the emotion that you're feeling. You know, if you're a young man, rage is good. You're supposed to be yeah. angry, and and but in another culture, it's like, dude, you got you're stressed out. You got chronic stress, <laughs> and so I think that's why these devices, like the HRV monitor, is so important, right? So that you mm. look at the numbers and you're and it say, oh, you you got uh, your your um, fight and flight uh, nervous system is overactive, and you need to stimulate your vagus nerve now and extend your mm. breath so that you can relax it. Mm. Uh, and that sort of takes out the cultural context or the norms that you're so used to. Yeah. Uh, you know, these days you say this is a new normal, it's a new normal. It's, and so I think people are getting used to this high, higher level of stress. But then that's where I, I guess biohacking helps is because you're looking at the numbers and it has an objective viewpoint in terms of your level of stress. And you can do something exactly. about it. Exactly. So you can use those, like the heart rate variability monitor. You can just, on a very simple level, you can just check your own pulse. You know, you can, mm. um, you can do ox um, the bolt test. So you can inhale, take a deep exhalation, and then just see how long you can hold the breath 
before you have the desire to inhale again. And that's yeah. going to, you know, see how well you can tolerate the buildup of carbon dioxide in the body. Mm. And what you can do before you start practicing Qigong or any time you can say, well, okay, I'm going to do these key performance indicator tests. And then I'm going to see how I am at the end of mm. a session of a week, however you determine. And that, that can be really, really helpful. You're right to, to gauge your progress. Absolutely. And uh, you talk about the importance of dynamic stretching, right? And I see a lot of talk about stretching these days. And I do stretch before and after a workout. But I somehow feel that stretching is much larger than that. So could you talk to us a bit about the science behind dynamic stretching and what that's, that's doing for us? Yes. So um, most people are familiar at least with static and dy dynamic stretching. So in, yep. in the static stretch where we, we coax the, the muscle to lengthen, to increase the range of motion from, from the joint through the limb. And, and it has an application, um, particularly in a, in a cool down context. Uh, but when we, when we're warming up the body, we we want to do this dynamic stretching because the static stretching can actually decrease the the strength of the muscle for a number of hours mm. so in in the qigong that we do this white tiger qigong the the dynamic stretching is not just taking a limb progressively through uh, a range of motion and that is the, sort of the definition of the dynamic qi, uh, the dynamic um, stretching and that is good for you because it's you know, leading the, the joint to open up in a, in a safe way. Uh, but we also then incorporate these other elements of um, contracting while lengthening. So there's actually a strengthening component to the dynamic stretching. We also have what we call flossing. Now, I think flossing has become a kind of... A, fancy word recently in, in sports science, uh, tissue flossing. So we've spoken before about how when you get this lengthening of the, the fascia, but at the same time, the co-activation of functional opposites. So you're getting a coil, a dynamic tension in the, the fascia. This, mm -hmm. is, this is another way that you're easing the body into uh, warming up. Um, but also, you know, in and of itself, it's a, it's a way that, just will, will stretch the body safely and engage the fascia in, in this elastic component. So it will um, you know, make this elasticity stronger. We also have nerve flossing where we, we mm. you know, for example, with the, the carpal tunnel um, syndrome, people often have this carpal nerve here. If you gently, there's a, yeah. <laughs> I lost the camera for a minute. Yeah, yeah. If you gently, flex and extend okay. so we have movements like this that are just gently compressing the nerve and then opening the nerve softly and that, that will help any inflammation in that area okay um so all of these elements oh and the joint flossing of course so for example the wrist and ankle flossing we're taking the wrist through a full range of motion and you'll see this in some of the um the forms like uh serving teacups where we we're holding cup of tea in our hand and we bring the hand around and we, mm. we're opening up the shoulder and we've got this beautiful complete 
okay. range of motion in the, this beautiful joint flossing in the in the shoulder. Interesting. Now, firstly, because our podcast is not a sports science podcast, many people might be wondering what exactly is fascia. So maybe if you could talk a bit about what fascia really is, yeah, um, that would really help people understand this conversation a bit better. Thank you. Yes, it's a good point. So fascia is, is a, it's a proteinous, a sticky proteinous substance. It's like a web that actually holds us together, essentially. It's, it's underneath the skin. There are different layers of, of fascia. It's okay. in around muscle and it's within muscle as well. And um, there's actually a gentleman called Tom, Tom Myers who wrote a Book called Anatomy Trains, who discovered he interpreted fascial bodies um, to into 12 different um, lines, if you will, and then later discovered they kind of approximate in many, many ways the meridian lines in ancient okay. Chinese medicine, which is pretty fascinating. So, these correlations between the fascial body and the energy, the chi body, the chi channels. So fascial health then comes into play in Qigong and also fascia holds str strings of muscles together. So we spoke about that kinetic chain principle. So yeah. in a kinetic chain, you know, you may have um, a number of different muscles and there's a, a fascial body that will, will hold all of those together. So you've got, for example, the lateral line that starts down by the foot comes right up the side of the body. Um, the front line, again, starting in the toes, coming right up into the neck. And therefore, the way you move your toe can affect the way your, your chest moves. Um, okay. So because we, we have this fascial connection, and we don't tend to think about that when we move in normal every everyday movements or the average um, sport, I don't think, takes it into account. So right. that's um, why it's such an essential or it's such a – we focus on it so intensively in white tiger qigong because we have this understanding that that uh, the health of the foot relates to the health of the shoulder and vice versa. Yeah, that's really, really interesting because then you sort of – start to think about the interconnectivity of our entire body. So mm. could you give me an example of when the fascia might not work as, as usual or some, you, you know, yeah. something, something has gone awry. Yeah. So um, when, when fascia is less responsive, it becomes quite sticky and that, okay. that that's, can happen typically with age, um, uh. but also through trauma. And this can be physical trauma, but it can also be emotional trauma. So um, one example that probably encompasses both would be if, if people are typically quite hunched over. So they, they're compressing uh, into the, the chest a lot through perhaps the, the desk job. Um, but, but this can also be uh, initiated by grief and sadness mm. we often close down we, we kind of with with we're drawing into ourselves um and so everything becomes stuck so that on a physical level the fascia is 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 getting sticky and on 
then on the um, from the, the medical qigong perspective, the, the energy can't flow properly through it. And that's why we redress it through these practices. Mm. So what you're doing is you're sort of stretching and allowing the fascia to yeah. go back to normal, yes. facilitating the, 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 the moving of energy across the meridians yes. as well. Okay. So then you've got this, this perfect blend of, of the fascial integrity and fascial tension. I mean, we, we need the, without the tension, we'd be dead, right? So, um, but if you think of a um, Buckminster Fuller dome, you know, how he, he had mm -hmm. this, the Bucky dome and, and that this perfect example of, of tensegrity. And, and that's what we're looking for in, in the fascial body as well, so that we can respond one, one aspect, one side of the fascia can respond to the other side, but they'll, they'll maintain their integrity and they'll return to form. Um, and eventually go beyond that. I mean, when we go into to plasticity, we uh, train our, our body systems to, well, the particular the fascia we're talking about here, to reorganize itself and become, um, you know, just, uh, it's more, it's more responsive and mm. yeah, the elastic component is, is, is much more present. Got it. Got it. So mm. it, it's interesting how the body responds when you, you know, provided the right movement or the right uh, stretching whenever it's required and bring mm -hmm. it back to an incorrect or yeah. not so healthy posture that you might be holding for months or even years together. Um, the other question I had is when you're doing these Qigong movements, right? Um, maybe at the start or especially at the end, you're placing both palms above your lower dantian, right? Or in mm -hmm. yoga terms, above your sacral chakra. What's mm -hmm. the significance of doing that? So, well, the, we have uh, three dantians in the body. Uh, one we, we find here at the, the brain, one at the heart, and then one about three finger widths below the navel and about two centimeters inside the body. And these are known in the Taoist medical Qigong system as, as cauldrons or the, the sea of qi. So, this is an area which is is really sensitive to qi collection to and transmission so we can actually store qi effectively here we so we learn to to house it in in this part of the body and we do that with different ways we we have um using a pearl pulsing a pearl of qi in the body with the breath um, we can also use a spiraling of the hands to mm. do this and later, uh, well, no, actually, more like let me just stand to show you. So your 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 hands remain oh, okay. on the body, but then okay. you spiral right. outwards okay. and then back in. Got it. So that's another another method. Very interesting. Mm. So basically, these are like wells or uh, places where the chi sort of congregates in these yes. three centers. Yes, and that's yeah. the cup we want to fill and. We, um, you can also store chi in other parts of the body. For example, in uh, bone marrow breathing, you, you're pulling it right inside the bone marrow and you want to store it inside the bone marrow. Mm -hmm. Right. And speaking about bone marrow, 
um, inside the bone marrow, you have stem cells, right? So I'm sure yeah. there's some uh, influence that is happening there as well as a result of the breathing that you're doing, as well as the movements that yeah. is allowing you to further or the pro proliferation of uh, the stem cells or make them more usable so that you can live longer or for yeah, forever. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. So, yeah. so that, that's uh, one of the, the, um, the consequences of regular practice. It said, you know, that you have this deep, deep stem cell regenerative potential. So following up with that question, what are some of the indicators of youth according to Qigong? And how can Qigong, you know, help us live longer? What are some of the levers, I guess, that we can pull? The the indicators of youth would be that we can can move. Uh, we're, we're fully mobile. Okay. So that's one. Um, and that means that we can function in an everyday capacity using a full range of motion without pain would be to be to have a, a really good sense of balance so uh, i know that when kids are young you know we would get worried they're gonna hurt themselves but you know most of the time they know what to do they they they, they have quite a once they've sort of developed um their, their muscular responses their, their balance is pretty good right. and they can also learn to let go pretty quickly so they can relax into falling so um so that would be another thing is is that having that relaxation response. Um, so that's going to keep you younger for longer. And think about how a kid can mm -hmm. so quickly switch off from one thing to another and, and, and not hold it and not keep it inside. Them. I mean, I, I know there are situations where that doesn't happen. I, you know, I know, I understand that there's a great deal of trauma in the world, but the, just thinking of a typical average lucky child that that just you know can drop their ice cream and, be, and then be shown something else off they go and that that doesn't they don't retain it they don't retain mm. that trauma so that's another aspect i think of youth that we can attain through the qigong then breathing yeah. breathing properly now if you watch a baby breathe and you see mm -hmm. how they breathe with their entire spine you've got this beautiful wave of of movement and so by learning how to do that or, or, or maintaining that type of breathing mm -hmm. we're not only getting longer slower breaths so we, we um you know that the, the body is fully integrating fully using the breath cycle in a way that's just really harmonious for all of all of its systems um, we're also, as I said before, pumping up the cerebrospinal fluid more effectively. So we're we're thinking better. We're less likely to, I guess, get, um, you know, diseases of the brain or mm -hmm. or afflictions that take away our mental capacity. Got it. Got it. Mm. And uh, yeah, these are foundational, right? I mean, like you mentioned, being able to move properly without any pain but also noticing how and what muscles or ligaments or bones are involved when you're moving through space mm. just being mindful about your emotions and not getting attached too much to your emotions but being able to switch switch easily and not getting mm. you know, not holding on too much but also breathing and unfortunately breath work is not taught in a lot of schools i remember when yeah. i was in school somebody would say breathe fully in 
I would tuck my stomach in and breathe all the way to the chest. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Now I know that's that's not that's 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 the barrier of uh, breathing because that activates your sympathetic nervous system, right? And unless yeah. you really breathe all the way down to your belly and your diaphragm, you're not really leveraging your parasympathetic response, which mm-hmm. is the one that helps you really digest and heal and sleep better. Yeah, so, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And these and these these all these practices they work on so many levels, and we we can even just touch upon the that we we are utilizing the jing which is not just kidney energy it's sexual energy as well and yeah. that we can revitalize um our our sexual energy through the practices too um yeah. we can we can turn it inwards we can we can cultivate it we can transform it um and um we can can heal on on many levels in that way also it just reminded me of a, one of our qigong practitioners who taught her her husband how to do this qigong and they were trying to conceive and they hadn't had any luck and they set their intention they did the practices for, for two months and then she was able to conceive right yeah that's so beautiful it's so wonderful and sometimes sex gets a negative connotation but the truth is that sex is just an energy mm-hmm. and uh, whether you yeah. look at yoga tantra you have you know, that lineage of teachings over there. You have mm. Taoist sexual Qigong. And I know that yes. Vantak Chia wrote an entire book about that, both for Absolutely. one for mm. males and one for females. And the more mm. we really learn about these energies and how they contribute towards our well-being, but also how, in the case of males, we're actually letting go of our chi through, you know, ejaculation and, and, and things like that. We mm. have a better way to understand um not only how to optimize our health, but also the role that masculinity and femininity play, just like the yin and yang in the world. Yeah. And that can lead to more balance and restoration. So the thing I love about, love about Qigong is it's not just uh, the practices and the mindset, but it's also a philosophy of how you mm. are living in life. So that's amazing. Mm. Yeah, that's what appeals to me as well. I mean, when I met Jai, my partner, he, he'd been studying with um, – local Taoists and they so they introduced me also to the the Tao Te Ching and I studied weekly with a beautiful lady who volunteered her time and we'd unpack these beautiful characters these Chinese characters for meaning and and then we would give our own interpretations on the texts and we'd drink green tea and we'd sit mm-hmm. with also the, the owner of the cafe and yeah we you know he would just talk about life and and his perspectives from being a Taoist yeah and and all of that was just it was such a profound introduction to that aspect of of the Qigong that when I I thought well I don't just want to practice modern medical Qigong and while that is great it's it really treats symptoms and it kind of it's an amalgamation of all the good parts of Qigong and it's controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. And so it, it doesn't actually really reflect the, 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 the spiritual aspect and the, that philosophy of, of the Taoist side of things. So that was something I thought, well, I actually do, I really value, value that and I'd like to explore it further. Mm-hmm. And bring that to other people as well because it's given me peace. It's helped me through some of the most difficult traumatic times losing both my parents within five years um and 
that you know the qigong kept me going helped me to be more available for my family and and friends at the time friends of yeah. my parents and to not get sick and then even when i did get sick last year i actually had dengue fever oh really oh. <laughs> i contracted it in thailand i was i was assisting master tevia in in thailand in kosamui i got ill but i i found and this must sound really weird but i, I kind of enjoyed the illness <laughs> i like okay I'm using all my skills to yeah. just be present to this illness. What's yeah. it teaching me? What's going on? Yeah. And also, in the the nurses and doctors said, "We think there's something wrong with you. Your heart rate's too low." And I said, "No, no, it's okay. That's my qigong." <laughs> <That's my chi -con. laughs> yeah, it's so amazing when you do these practices, whether it's breathwork or qigong. You sort of lean into pain, right? It's like whether you're going yeah. into a cold shower or whether you're embracing an illness, and it feels like you are detaching yourself from the experience that you're having, and you're like in the center of a center of a tornado, right? You're at the eye of the storm, and no matter mm -hmm. what happens, it's not going to affect you. You can look at it objectively and go through, or maybe. Uh, absorb whatever you, the universe is trying to communicate with you, whatever the message it is saying, whether it's go forth or, hey, you know what, you got to take a break now. You did too much. <laughs> That's right. right. My next question was about uh, the pelvic floor muscles because mm. in breath work, when we're doing the breath work, the conscious breathing, at a certain point, we're also engaging the pelvic floor muscles, the muladhara, and really pumping it up. And I noticed that you did the same thing when you were guiding some people through one of the Qigong flows. So maybe could you talk to us about the purpose of really engaging and pulling on these muscles? Yes. So we, when we talk about the, the pelvic floor muscles, well, specifically we, when someone's able to isolate the perine, perineal muscles, okay. that's um, what we're looking for. And, and so the perineum is, is this point between the anus and the, and the genitals. And we pull upwards from that point. Mm -hmm. And um, when uh, people have difficulty finding that, then we just talk more generally about the, the pelvic floor, perhaps just squeezing from the anus. But um, this is, a, is, is another pump. So it's a really important pump in the body. Mm -hmm. And it, this will enable the... the the uh, flow of chi and there's a connection from the the perineum right up through the body into the, the brain so you know this signal is, is is really important for this signal so they, they correlate with each other interesting and it's so yeah. fascinating that our body is designed to have this pump right to really help <laughs> with you know communicating from different parts of the body and we sometimes we assume that we're this one individual but actually we're there's so much happening in our body right our brain is talking to our gut and through the heart yeah and this, it's a very complex mechanism that's happening even if we're just walking <laughs> yeah that's right that's so, so true this whole neural response so i mean neuroscience i wish i could if i had another time around you know i'd love to study neuroscience as well and i look right. at it from from in, just a point of interest at the moment, but um, that whole the neuro the neuromuscular um, aspect of qigong as well is is training the the body systems to um, especially where we might have had trauma in the body and 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 there's a 
neural feedback, oh, unsafe, or oh, this is, you know, this is related to something that hurt me once. We 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 can get through that by relaxing, <sighs> for tapping into the parasympathetic state more, relaxing into that, and then retraining the way our mind thinks about the, the particular movement. Um, which is way, I mean, Tevia has a has a story about how he healed from a, a really bad car accident through persistence. I mean, it took a long time. It was a couple of years, but they said he, they were going to do surgery on his spine. But he yeah. just did the, the wave or the, the dragon back uh, exercise for, t for two years, every day for a particular yeah. amount of time. And he was able to overcome these injuries that way. Yeah, that's so interesting. And out of the animals that are emulated in the in this form of Qigong, I've noticed that the dragon is only the quote-unquote mythical creature, right? Mm. Um, and so, but I read somewhere that there was this traveler from the West that had at one point gone and visited one of the kingdoms in China, and he had met with the king as well. And in his text, he has noted down these, that's what he said, these, these are dragons, like large reptilian animals and yeah. so then the question is were these dragons or were these some other animals or oh, did they go extinct <laughs> right. i like to believe they were real i mean you know what the welsh tradition in in great britain wales okay. has a, tra a tradition of, of, of yeah. dragons as well so um yeah. who knows we've got to wait and, and perhaps dig up some bones <laughs> yeah 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 i mean Something to think about, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so since, at least right now, um, we're in the midst of this crazy pandemic that is going on around the world and, you know, people are wearing masks, but then the question is, how does somebody who is sitting at home or maybe in transit right now, how, when you're doing this Qigong or when you're doing these different practices, what needs to happen inside the body for immunity to build up? Could you break that down for us a bit? There's, How do we there as individuals, to, you know? Yeah, yeah. there needs to be a, a surrender, I think, to um, understanding where you're at at that particular moment in time. Mm -hmm. But then there needs to be a sensitivity built up towards your internal landscape, as we spoke before. Um, there needs to be um, – you need to practice – directing your your attention mm -hmm. and your intention of what you want to achieve from the practice you need to, for just the very very simple things you 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 can practice anywhere all the time you can just drop into your abdomen you can put your hands on the dantian and you can practice abdominal breathing you you uh, just follow the rise and fall of your belly gently close your eyes and start to bring your breath into um, just a, an open, a rising and falling that becomes just naturally softer and longer. So you're not pushing it. You're not trying to change everything, anything. You're just bringing the awareness to the Dantian and you're witnessing the rise and fall of the belly as you inhale and as you exhale, 
So you let these things unfold in, a, in quite a natural manner. So that's important, not forcing. And not forcing is also key to relaxing. Mm -hmm. Got it. And this is something someone can do even at home or whenever they have even two to three minutes. Yes. Just breathing with a focus and on your rising and falling of your belly with yeah. your eyes closed. And it yeah. can make a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. Wonderful. Well, thanks a lot for sharing everything that you've shared so far, the stories, the anecdotes, the wisdom, and I appreciate you sharing the scientific part of it in a way that allows the end listener to really understand some of the concepts that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Some of them were, con were a bit complex, but I'm hoping that people were able to understand it. Yeah, forgive thanks me, I get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> but I still feel like you know I mean I'm only really a beginner with all of this and there's so much to learn and um, yeah. you know, I appreciate being given the, the platform to share it absolutely and Action Tribe I hope you enjoyed today's session so far I try to speak to our listeners one on one from time to time we have Facebook messages or Instagram DMs mm -hmm. or maybe if somebody emails me and I know that many of you are going through challenges and sometimes challenges are such that it really forces you right to start over again Maybe you've lost your job and you have to find a new one now. Maybe your business has failed or a temporary failure and you feel like you're at square one and you got to start once again. Maybe you had a divorce or maybe you had a breakup after four years, five years, or even 10 years. I've seen a lot of people going through such an experience and you feel now that you've lost time, you've lost energy and you've lost your vitality um, and that you're starting from the very beginning. I want to let you know that that feeling like you're starting from scratch is just a mental trap. It's not true. Although it might feel like you're starting from the beginning, you are never starting from the beginning and all the magical moments that you've enjoyed, whether in your business or your job or even with that loved one, they are yours to keep forever. Life is a cycle and we keep going through these phases just like the waxing and waning of the moon. So you must not lose hope and always remember that you are better because of this, because as Qigong master Paul Lam once put, think of the circular path of each moment in Tai Chi. Every moment is a curve or a circle that has no ending and has no beginning. And just like in Tai Chi and Qigong, just like in your life, there's no beginning, there's no ending. There's just cycles and you're always learning from each and every moment, each and every experience. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, it's our time to go into our last round for today, which is the wisdom round. Four questions so that our listeners can take note and they can actually take some form of action. So, Sarah, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received in your life? It's so simple, but so profound that my mother always said to me, be kind, <laughs> be kind. And it kind of ties in with one of my favorite sayings, which is we're all just walking each other home, which comes from Ramdas. And so I just try to, to remind myself of that all the time. We're all just, you know, we're one step away from being somebody else. We're just, so how can I judge or criticize when I remember that? And I, I can just, I can be more helpful in my interactions and engagements with others as a consequence of bearing that in mind. And if you could turn back time and spend maybe one hour with someone who's living or dead, who would it be? I love that question. 
I had I had to think about that, and I, I I came up with Lao Tzu. I would just love to go and visit Lao Tzu, and because his timeless classic, the Tao Te Ching, has given me pause for so much thought, and uh, it's you know there's so much complexity in its simplicity that it's had sages and scholars for centuries, you know, pondering what it all means and trying to glean the the, the most effective transmission of the message i think that's that's he must be or have been quite a, quite an amazing human being and what is that one thing you do in the morning or in the evening before you sleep that has improved the quality of your life i would say it's gratitude meditation mm. and the inner smile which is a beautiful qigong practice where we just bring the energy of smiling with physical smile and in the, in the mental body down into the organs. So I smile into my heart. I say, Hey, you know, good morning. And at night more than in the morning, I, I do practice the gratitude meditation. I'm thankful for this, this, and this that happened today. And that just, you know, keeps me on, on accountable. It keeps me on target. It keeps me humble. Mm. That's so powerful to be able to have a gratitude practice. And for me, the smaller the gratitude, the better. Because you can feel grateful for big things, but sometimes mm. if you're grateful for the smaller things, mm. that has an effect on you. Just the ability to listen to this podcast right now, it mm. means that you have access to internet in some form, which is a form of gratitude that you can have to be yeah. able to access such wisdom for free. Yeah. Or, your, or the, your ears work, you know. That's just or how your ears work, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And if you hear, I know people, you won't believe it, who are deaf, but still consume the podcast. And there it's crazy because they, they get text that mm -hmm. the technology is able to convert. Mm -hmm. And so there's an opportunity for gratitude for technology in, in that case. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was really surprised. There was someone who was not able to hear, but still listens to the podcast, which is like, what else can I be grateful for? Right. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would that be? Well, although I've, I've already spoken about the Tao Te Ching, I, I think um, it's funny, I've got it right here. The book I'm going to recommend is Autobiography of a Yogi. Mm. And this is written by Paramahansa Yogananda, and it documents his journey through life as, as, as a yogi with his um, masters and how um, he you know, ended up journeying from India to America and the messages that he wanted to transmit as, as a result of um, his explorations and uh, in, in, in yoga. And he was a, you know, profoundly humble and, and deep and beautiful soul. And I was just so excited reading that book because when I was a kid, I dreamt about bilocating. I dreamt about all these things I had no idea about, like mm. people that could be in two places at the same time, right. um, people that could manifest um, an object. And this all, all happens in this book that, yeah. that his masters show him and, and, and in humility, not in, you know, in any ag aggrandizement. Um, it's, it's um, so we may call that esoteric, Yeah, but it's, it, you know, it, it excited me, ignited my 
fire to learn about my human potential as a spiritual being having a human experience. Very true. And for somebody who's listening right now, remember that uh, the amount of magic that we're tapping into in our normal being is just probably 1%, right? Of what is possible. That's right. And yeah. we have access to all these siddhis, these extrasensory abilities and, and all these fascinating stuff that you only watch in Star Wars. A lot of the things yeah. it's possible. It is possible. Mm. So don't, you know, l- limit your understanding of the human existence by just mm. what's happening around you. Most mm. of it is it's stupid. What <laughs> you see in the news and the advertisements, right. and, you know, people <laughs> forcing you to buy like, you know, shoes and stuff. Well, that's yeah. good. But what is more important, like you mentioned, is to be kind, but also to be able to access all these higher abilities and mm. really understand what it means to be a human being. So if you would like to listen to this book for free, audible.com is offering all our listeners an opportunity to get one book, one audible credit where you not just read the book, but you listen to the book. So especially if you're busy going for a jog, you're doing something else, you can listen to the book and it's free for you. You don't pay anything, but to get this book, autobiography of a yogi, one of the most recommended books on our show and in the world before Steve Jobs had expired. That's the book that he had on his iPad. So yeah, that was the book that he had. But go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Go to my7chakras. Seven is a word. My7chakras.com forward slash free book. And especially because so many of our guests have recommended this book. Go there. Type autobiography of a yogi. Don't pay anything right now. Download the book. You get a free day, free 30-day trial. You can cancel it before that. But if you like the service of audible.com, you can get more books as well. But at least get this book. Uh, <laughs> but Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, before you go, tell us something that you're grateful for since you since you <laughs> love gratitude and tell us how we can find you online. I am grateful for, well, this very moment, <laughs> being with you. I'm, I'm grateful for living in this incredible space that I live in. I have access to nature out in the backyard, koalas, kangaroos, echidnas, little birds, parrots. They give me such joy and, um, you know, that, reminds me that uh, how intrinsically connected I am to that they that you know I, I am no better than than these creatures and we, we all we resonate you know with each other and I, I just uh, I, I love that every day it just makes my heart sing. You can find me at sarahdivinechigong.com and also I have a Facebook page under that name and uh, an Instagram page it's a fledgling page but it's there and you can find out more about white tiger qigong at the self-named um website as well we have a number of courses running at the moment perfect awesome we'll have all these links up in the show notes so that people can learn more about your story and find out more about the amazing work that you are doing um so action tribe Thanks a lot for attending the session. If you would like to join our next breathwork session, that is right, meet me live on Zoom and do these wonderful conscious breathing techniques, um, then go to my7chakras.com forward slash breathwork pass. You get the breathwork pass and you get to attend these sessions, which we do on a Sunday morning, uh, as well as on a weekday evening, which is more of a yin session so that you help 
so that you get the support that you need to get good quality sleep, restful healing sleep at night. But if you'd like to join us, feel free to do so. I'd love to connect with you. If you are on Instagram, uh, then take a screenshot of this episode right now and then tag us. My handle is at my seven chakras. And what is your handle? Is it by your um, name? At Sarah Divine Qigong. Okay. So tag us yeah. at my seven chakras at Sarah, Sarah Divine Qigong. And we'll, sh we'll share your uh, Instagram story with our communities because that ha that's how we connect, right? Uh, so do that. And if you'd like to email me or if you have some questions, some observations, some feedback, my email is aj at my7chakras.com. aj at my7chakras.com. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today, talking to us about the beautiful practice of Qigong and also introducing some beautiful elements of sports science as well as the physiology and movement and the fascia this was really a very informative session uh, and also taking us one step closer to a human revolution so thanks a lot thank you aj thank you for giving me the, the experience the opportunity to share my passion with you thank you for listening to my seven chakras at my7chakras.com that is my s-e-v-e-n chakras.com mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.